This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Warren Garling to the program. How you doing, Warren? I'm doing well. Thank you, sir. Warren Garling is author of the memoir, I'll Have to Ask My Mom, A Radio Journey. You can find the book on Amazon.com. I've known Warren for many years as we share a common interest in radio broadcasting, something I did for a long time, too. I guess I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah. But I'd like to, you know, trying to act a little bit like Ralph Edwards, Warren, if you <laughs> oh, remember <no>. that. <laughs> yeah, I do. You uh, Here you were, you were 11 or 12 in <laughs> Walden, New York. Where the heck yeah. is Walden, New York? Walden is outside of Newburgh, New York. And um, my dad uh, moved us down there so he could work on what is now the uh, I-84 bridge that goes across the Hudson, but back then it was called the Beacon-Newburgh Bridge because it replaced the Beacon-Newburgh Ferry. Uh-huh. And so he was working on that project, and he moved us down there, and I went to uh, fifth and most of sixth grade down in uh, in Walden. But um, we had a, a neighbor uh, who did a weekly uh, Air Force recruiting show on uh, Saturday mornings, on WBNR across the river from uh, uh, Newburgh and Beacon. And he just, uh, out of the blue, just said to my mother one day, you think, uh, you know, Warren would enjoy going and seeing what I do on the radio? And up till that point, uh, my radio was this, uh, you know, two transistor with a telescoping antenna that I listened to uh, New York City radio on as much as I could and uh, became fans of Cousin Brucey and people like that Mm -hmm. on New York City radio. And so I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it was a day out of the house when you live in a trailer with, you know, four brothers (laughs) and sisters, you know, anything to get out of the place, you know. So, and, and that's where it began, Bob. I walked in that studio and it was like somebody opened this huge door for me and I looked at the equipment and I thought it was so neat that this guy would sit there and uh, I thought when I was listening to the radio these guys were in these you know huge auditoriums with you know all this room and I walk into this closet <laughs> you know where he's broadcasting <laughs> from and I'm just blown away by how you can make it sound so different on the radio compared to where you really are is so, that uh, it struck my imagination okay. and I was hooked all right so this is 1963 and that's your first visit to a radio station I remember listening to the radio and even well anyhow we're, <laughs> we're trying to do this about Warren I'll have to ask my mom as the name of his uh, memoir about his life in radio. You you moved to Glenville, New York, which I know because I actually live in Glenville. It's a suburb of Schenectady in the mid-1960s, not to cover your own ground. I believe your father is now an automobile uh, salesman. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we moved back to the area, and he went to uh, selling cars and did that really pretty much for the rest of his life, I'm, I'm happy to say, well, and did very well with it. And so he finally settled us down in our first house, and one of the first things I did was build a little radio station in, in the basement because I thought, if I'm ever going to get on the radio, i got to practice. You know? Yes. And so I don't know if you've ever read the book about um, or, or heard anything talked about the 10,000-hour rule, that if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you, uh, you've mastered it, you've become a you know, a, a professional in it or whatever. You, the people a lot of times refer to how the Beatles got started. Um, before they became, you know, world-renowned, 
they had at least 10,000 hours of experience on stage over, you know, a period right. of about right. six or seven years. Yeah. And so the same thing, I, I didn't know this at the time, but I felt that if I practiced that eventually somebody would recognize my talent and, you know, I'd be able to get on the radio. And I find out, as you'll hear reading the book, that it's it's not as much what you know, it's it's who you know. Who you know. Yeah, but and, and you did have that radio station in your basement, and I know you did, Dave. You had a radio station somewhere. as well bob yes w- w- was it in the basement though or no no out in the garage you only get a couple of choices as a kid yeah, that's true that's true <laughs> attic basement garage that's pretty much it yeah and again i didn't do any of that no really uh, no, so, no so let me if you don't mind me asking your question what uh what got you steered in that direction well i always liked radio and i c- tended to like the local station which this podcast is still heard on wcss in amsterdam okay. new york and i used to call in they had a talk show and uh, so they I used to call the talk show I think as I got into high school and so on and so forth but this is supposed to be about Warren and his <laughs> memoir you're in Glenville it's the mid-1960s you got the radio station in the basement uh, you're starting to go to uh, high school at Burn Hills Ballston Lake right. and you became a ninth grade student intern uh, and where was that? And that was at uh, the old WSNY 1240 in Schenectady. Um, and, and here's where the, your Schenectady history comes in. Obviously, Schenectady's always been synonymous with the beginnings of uh, radio, uh, WGY signing on in 1922. And uh, you remember WGY? I do. Both, yeah. both Dave and I remember that. <laughs> there you go. Yes. And uh, and I've had a, the opportunity to fly through there occasionally myself. And um, and uh, TV was kind of uh, you know born in this area as well. So the broadcasting history in, in Schenectady is is huge. Uh, WSNY was just a very small you know part of it, just a thousand watt uh, daytime station. Uh, I think five hundred watts at night, maybe uh, maybe two hundred and fifty watts at night. When I was on in the evenings when I finally got on the radio, my parents in Glenville had trouble actually hearing the radio. Is that right in Glenville? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it wasn't powerful by any means, but they had this little intern program um, where high school kids, uh, junior, I was junior high at the time, I guess, ninth grade, uh, could go in once a week after school and really, we were just glorified gophers, you know, but you got to see radio working from the inside. So when my guidance counselor told me about this, and I'll always be grateful to him, it really, again, opened up this, this huge door. It's not that they hired me right away. I hung around uh, there for about a year going, uh, you know, every Friday afternoon for a few hours. And um, uh, finally, it turned out about a year later, after I stopped going there at the end of my junior year of high school, that uh, you know, one of the jocks that I'd made friends with on the radio uh, wondered if you know I'd, I'd sub for him that weekend. He had something to, he had to go to, and his boss said, you know, find a replacement. And he calls up this 16-year-old kid who's been you know telling him forever and ever on the phone, I'm going to be on that station someday. Uh, and doesn't he uh, go and get me the gig for the weekend? Oh, about that. And then yeah. maybe a little detour here. The radio station then was playing music you liked, uh, modern rock and roll music. Music, and the DJs were given patriotic names. It was the Young Americans format. So yeah. the DJ that uh, had you fill in for him was Tom Jefferson. Tom Jefferson. I don't think you say in the book who he really is. I mean, I know uh, who some of the others were. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I believe he's mentioned in there, and I uh, apologize if he's I not. I missed it, probably. probably never yeah. speak to me again, and uh, that's okay, because I have no idea where he went. His real name was Roger Anthony Del Nero, Jr., if you looked at the license that he had to hang on the wall in I order see. to be on the, okay. on the station. And the fun part about when I first got into radio and started hanging around the radio station is I'm looking at the wall where all these licenses are hanging, because you had to have a license to, uh, to take the meter readings on the radio at the time, and I'm not recognizing any of the names because hardly anybody used their real names, you know, on on the radio. A lot of folks, um, you know, for a number of reasons, decided not to. So I'm looking and trying to connect who's who. Uh, there's this guy hanging there, and his name is Walt Fritz, and it turns out, uh, you know, that he went on to a, a good career in radio, but at the time was Paul Revere on the radio. <laughs> okay. Um, and as the young guy, oh, uh, Doc Perryman, everybody uh, remembers right. Doc, and uh, for years he was on again WGY. Uh, a lot of uh, jazz-influenced um, you know, music that he played. He was the overnight guy, and his name was George Washington. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a kind of a strange way to go about it, but it made the station stand out from others, kind of made it memorable, if you will. And so uh, they hire me as uh, Jesse James. Don't ask me why. Everybody else is a president or... You know, uh, you know somebody really well known, yeah. Jesse James. I was an outlaw. I guess but, so. Uh, but I used that name for my first—I uh, don't know—a year, year and a half uh, on the radio before I went away to college. And you did get your license, your Federal Communications Commission right. license. Yeah, yeah. I had to do that. I had to take the test a couple of times because I'm not big on tests. Yeah, yeah, that and, uh, comes. That seems to be a theme in the memoir. This keeps yeah, yeah. Up. Well, you know, I guess. Uh, well, let me mention, first of all, that the, there are two reasons why I wrote this. Uh, um, and I started writing it like 25 years ago. I had a couple of false starts along the way. Uh, and when I originally started writing it, it's because, believe it or not, because we got our first computer here at, at our house, and the keyboard just it just sang to me. I, I would get my fingers going on there, and I, I usually, you know, I used to be able to type like 95, 100 words per minute. So I'm figuring, well, I can I can have fun with this. I just started putting you know notes in there about you know my days in in radio, and uh, so that was one reason. And the other one really was just to make sure that my grandchildren would someday know that their uh, grandfather you know, yeah. had, had some fun on the radio, made a career out of it for a while. I can and, see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah just yeah, to share it with them. So up until just really, to be honest with you, a few weeks ago, I thought I was just going to make some uh, you know, copies on the, you know, the station's uh, you know, copy machine and hand it out to family and friends, and then you wound up you know, self-publishing, which you know, we'll talk about later. Well. But, um, yeah, so that, that's really what it came down to, just sharing with family and friends my thoughts on the fun that I had when I did it full-time so you're it's in high school and i think by the time you're the the summer of 69 which is between your junior and senior year yes that's, that's when like, you yeah. are on the air regularly at yes. the wsny correct? Uh, I, I lucked out bob i had for some reason uh, a guy by the name of don DeRosa, who was the program director of the station um i he believed in me from early on he heard me on the radio over that weekend that i subbed and he called the, the monday morning and said uh, would you like to do three to seven in the afternoon for the summer he had evidently just lost somebody and i was just right place right time and you know knew the right people and so uh yeah, so I didn't start with the old midnight to six, you know, break in and learn how to do it thing. I, I was just thrust into the afternoon drive right away and just, you know, I mean, I had been practicing for this since I was, you know, 11, 12 years old. So I was ready. Ready. Well, I mean, again, that sort of parallels my experience. I, I got a job by an audition um, at uh, WCSS to do Sundays. 
because they needed somebody on Sundays. And they would often reach out to the high schools to get somebody. And they they did, and they had auditions. Somebody else won the audition, but he turned them down. (laughs) So they called me, and I did that. And then that similar summer, for me, it was 60, being a bit older, 62 to 63, I think it was. No, the summer of 62, I was... uh, filling in uh, regularly at, uh, at WCSS. But another uh, commonality among uh, Dave, Bob, and Warren is we all three did the uh, morning announcements at our respective high schools. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I just, once again, um, I'm I, probably the principal going to the guidance counselor's office and saying, you got anybody uh, you know, that you know that would enjoy doing this sort of thing? And and my guidance counselor said, "Well, you know, Warren, you know, hopes to get onto the radio someday." So the uh, the uh, my uh, junior year and even into my senior year, I was uh, doing the morning announcements. And it's funny because about five years later, my brother, who's five years younger than me, he wound up doing the morning announcement show. But here's the difference: his was on TV. Within <laughs> five years, they had closed circuit TV in the sure. high school, and yeah. so he hosted on camera. So I, uh, I don't imagine they do this anymore in school. I don't really know. I don't know. Have <clears throat> Not been in school in too yeah, many in years, long time. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was a long time back. Yeah, yeah, and uh, too, too, too many, uh, yeah, too much water under the bridge. I guess so. Now, over the dam in our cases, I guess. Now, after you leave Burnhill's uh, Boston Lake High School, you go to Graham Junior College in uh, in Boston, although yeah. it's called the Cambridge School of Broadcasting, it was in Boston. Yeah. Right. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, it started out as a business school, and for some reason in the 60s, they got into the broadcasting angle and had some great uh, veterans of of TV and radio broadcasting teaching there. And once again, my high school guidance counselor said, uh, you know, here's here's the place to go if you really want to pursue, you know, radio, and it's only a two-year school. I I knew in the back of his mind he's thinking he's never going to get into a four-year school anyway. I was never the most terrific student. So uh, so I I, uh, certainly took him... um, at his word and, and, you know, went and toured the school and immediately fell in love with, with Boston and still my favorite city probably and um, big city, if you will. And, uh, yeah, wound up going uh, there just for a year. I didn't even do the two years. Um, but the year I was there, met some terrific people, terrifically talented people that I talk about a little bit in the book uh, that certainly folks uh, would know, uh, perhaps the most well-known being Andy Kaufman, who played Latka <laughs> on Taxi back in the 70s. Yeah, uh, the late Andy Kaufman, unfortunately, who was just a terrific uh, entertainer and uh, you know, uh, called himself a song and dance man, but he was very funny and uh, very talented. And he would be on the TV station, the closed circuit TV station uh, on campus, while I was four floors down in the basement radio station, uh, you know, the, serving the campus as well, which was Kenmore Square in Boston. And um, and people just kept coming into the studio saying, you got to see what Andy's doing up there. So I, I think I put on Hey Jude by the Beatles, seven <laughs> minutes and 49 seconds, right. and I go dashing up four flights of stairs and, and check him out and he was just you know nuts 
having fun uh, on TV, and he wound up doing some of the same routines he did in college he wound up doing on TV when he broke in in 1975 on uh, Saturday Night Live and a couple of uh, you know NBC shows that he uh, guested on. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, Mark Summers, who's well-known from the Food Network shows that he does, and he's written a book on the OCD that he struggles with and such, uh, he was a year you know, behind me, uh, and he was a year ahead of me. Uh, but a whole mess of people you've probably never heard of that went on to uh, um, start uh, satellite music services and uh, one that helped co-found ESPN. And so we had a real you know, talented bunch of people um, you know, in the school that uh, I was just thrilled to find out uh, went on to bigger and better things. Me, I came home and right. got on local radio. Okay. <laughs> Warren Garling joins us. He is author of I'll Have to Ask My Mom, a radio journey, a memoir about his life in radio. We'll have more with Warren in just a moment. This is Bob Cudmore. I want to remind you about our GoFundMe campaign, which keeps the Historian's podcast going here on the Internet and on the air. Uh, you can go to this website, GoFundMe.com, 2019 The Historians, and you can donate online using your credit card. If that's something you don't want to do, use your credit card online, uh, you can send me a check. Make the check out to Bob Cudmore. Send to Bob Cudmore at 125 Horseman Drive in Scotia, New York, 12302. We're talking with Warren Garling about his uh, memoir, I'll Have to Ask My Mom, A Radio Journey. And I suppose we haven't explained that, but when you were... uh, first pitched about doing that fill-in, I think it was an all-night show, what your response to that DJ was, I'll have to ask my mom. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm babysitting at my cousin's house, and the phone rings, and, um, uh, you know, like a dutiful babysitter, I answered it, and it's this guy, Tom Jefferson, from the station, and and he says, uh, you know, can you work this weekend? And I, I immediately said to him, from my recollection, well, I'll have to ask my mom, because I wasn't even driving at the time. I didn't have a driver's license. I was still you know, junior in high school. So uh, um, that's. I woke up a few weeks ago in the morning, and the first thing in my head was, what am I going to name this thing? And for some reason, it just came screaming out at me. Well, the, the line that started it all, I'll have to ask my mom. You have to ask and, so, mom. Uh, and, and mom's very happy with it. She hasn't read the book yet. I'm, I'm going to be heading down her way in Florida where she spent some of the winter, and I'll be bringing her a copy down there. So uh, We'll have to see if her recollections are the same as mine. Oh, I should mention that, Bob, and and I don't know if you've ever tried, you know, doing any kind of something like this memoir. But the older we get, it's we find that people's memories of certain events vary greatly. Oh, so yes. The, so the first person I had to a proof of this, I had worked with in radio um, in the early days, and he went on to become uh, editor at uh, the Chicago Sun-Times and the Washington Post. So this guy knew his stuff. So I figured, you know, he could do my first proofing. And he gets to the part about him in the book, and he says, my recollection of that evening is very different from yours. <laughs> so what did and you do? So I, I actually rewrote part of yeah, it. I said, yeah. you know, well, obviously you remember better why you were there and what you were doing at, at the time. So we talked for a little bit, and, and I rewrote a, a few paragraphs. And, uh, and it, But um, it's interesting because another person, after they read the book, after it was published a couple of weeks ago, basically said the same thing. He says, well, your recollection's a little different from mine, you know, and, and so it turns out that obviously we remember it from one 
aspect of our lives, and the person you know living sure. it at the same time is remembering from a, a different direction or a different aspect. So I, I learned a little bit in that respect. And it is showbiz. Uh, for example, you are Warren Garling, but much of your radio uh, career has been spent because you're still on on the radio as Chris Warren. Yeah, where did yeah. that come from? Well, uh, that's, that's uh, you know, I mentioned that in the book as well. I won't tell the whole story, but I, I do have to thank a high school girlfriend for that. Um, she uh, she came up with the name, and um, and I couldn't use it right away, as you know, because I became Jesse James. They gave me that name to start with, and um, so I fit the format. So I didn't use Chris Warren until college and then um, uh, stuck with it uh, over the years. The uh, funny thing is, when I was doing news, which I did for a while, uh, rather than disc jockey work, I used Christopher Warren, because, of course, <laughs> that's, right? just, that's more newsy, right? You but, know? but then one of your jobs when you came back to the Capital District from Boston is at WKAJ in Saratoga Springs, and if I recall correctly, the boss there said, oh, we, we, we don't want you to use a phony name. Right. Use your name. Exactly, and my and it was my dad's name as well. We have different middle names, so I'm not a junior, but uh, but he used the name, and he sold a lot of cars to a lot of people over the years. And I'm telling the boss, I'm going to get confused with my father, or vice versa, and the whole thing. He, he didn't care. He just no. said, No, no, I, I don't want any. We're not fancy here. We're not showbiz. We're real, and I want you to use your real name. So I did, and people called me Darling and Gargling and Garlic sure. and then all that. Well, stuff. you can imagine being Cudmore, what people have called oh, me. I'm sure you had some fun. As well, yeah, yeah. Now, also, one aspect of your book that I think is very interesting for people who uh, have lived in the Capital District of Upstate New York, you worked many years. Uh, you started 1973 WHAZAM in Troy, but this uh, operation created the FM country station WGNA. So yeah. you left there for a while, but you, you, you may, mainly were at that uh, station during, uh, I'd say, the bulk of your radio career? Uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah, because I was there uh, for 11 out of 12 years, uh, having t- taken a little hiatus uh, south into uh, <laughs> Mississippi, and that was a nightmare. Don't ask about that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we I, I had some fun the summer of 73 helping to get the WGNA ready to go on the air, and we they went on the air in the um, December of uh, 73 and became, well, it's been the number one station in the market for many, many years, and it's always played country music. That's, uh, you know, which I never really enjoyed myself growing up and, uh, you know, learned to enjoy it while I was working there. And then when I got fired from there, stopped listening to country music and haven't since. You haven't haven't listened to it since? I have not. Okay. You know, because I'm try to stay well-rounded. I know of it, and I know some of the people that are in it and some of the names of today, but uh, no, was never a huge fan, and I didn't stick with it after uh, they... Yeah, that uh, almost sounds like a, the premise of a country song. <laughs> Radio did me bad, so I listened to rock and roll. Exactly, well, exactly. Well, uh, there's one thing that, maybe the last time I'll drag Dave into this, but because... Um, Warren, in his book, talks about something you and I have talked about, Dave, when we were at WGY. At WGY, both you and I occasionally would do paid remotes, right? Right. Right. But do you remember? I remember you telling me this specifically, I think. Uh, He said, boy, G&A was doing a remote. They put on quite a show. (laughs) Yeah, we 
we had some fun. Our, our boss at the time, uh, his name was uh, John Lindstra. Um, he just uh, he thought if you're going to you know take the show on the road, you you really took a show. So we wouldn't it wouldn't just be a disc jockey standing there you know talking on the radio. It would be uh, two disc jockeys uh, standing inside. Uh, we were country and western. It was still called country and western at the time. So we had a corral around us. We would stand in this corral. I, I think at first they even had some hay bales with us, and uh, we would bring along um, a balloon machine with a head that they molded on top of it that looked like an old prospector blowing up these helium-filled balloons. We had free popcorn for the kiddies. We had free pony rides for the kids. We had a couple of models that played cowgirls in their nice uh, you know, white vinyl boots and their mini skirts. And, I mean, we, you know, when we came to town, we came to town. You know? <laughs> and we, we'd do this for three or four hours. And uh, the, the uh, you know companies that would hire us to do this to be at their car dealership or their grand opening of a store or something they paid you know a yeah. premium to have it done. Yeah. Well, I, I say kudos to you because I remember with WGY when they we came to town it was like Dave or me or more often Harry Downey or Don yeah. Weeks or Joe Gallagher or somebody. Right. But we had a nice vehicle. That's about yes, all I did. can say. Yes, you did. Although Joe told me recently that uh, in his later days uh, on the station the first time around uh, it was it was getting a little threadbare that yes it was i think that's i think they honestly they called it the great northeast embarrasser at one <laughs> point instead of the ambassador but you did a nice job with remotes at uh, wgna and you left there in 1986 i believe but mm-hmm. you you didn't really i mean uh, in the years since you continued to do uh, radio you also did television for a while public tv yeah, and that's how you and I, I think, met for the first time, actually, because uh, you were nice enough to come on board uh, many times during the WMHT auctions and uh, help be a guest auctioneer. And um, I'm not sure how many times you did that, but I know that uh, when I was helping to, to run the auction in the early 2000s, you were nice enough to come in and, mm-hmm. and help out and uh, you know, always enjoyed having professional radio people on there who understood uh, the meaning of you've got five minutes. You know, <laughs> right, right. Would, would well, we have three minutes, minutes now, Warren, so we've got to pick this up. Okay. Uh, also, you did what a lot of us in radio end up having to do. You got a real job. I did. When when I was let go um, in 1986 uh, from my full-time gig on my uh, on my son's seventh birthday, so it was a very memorable day. My wife, within a few days, said, "You know, radio isn't everything." And then I looked at her like you know, she had two heads. I mean, what do you mean? I mean, this is what I was born to do. So um, I actually took it to heart and uh, wound up getting into marketing and sales, and I did that for another 17 years. Uh, at two or three different places, and and really had another whole career, including uh, you know writing professional articles about professional services marketing and this sort of thing, and started an international association of uh, of uh, CPA marketing directors, which is still going strong 30 years later. I'm happy to say, and I really enjoyed all that. But boy, after a few months, I really missed miss being radio. on the radio. Yeah, so hey. I just. Uh, I wound up on uh, WTRY in 1988 uh, on Saturday mornings for like four years, and that parlayed into another uh, gig over at WGY-FM at the time. And uh, that turned into the river, and uh, and now I'm, I'm on uh, WTRY-FM 
um, you know, on, on Saturday afternoons. Uh, I've been doing that now since 2002. In fact, I just heard Chris Warren on Sunday, I think it was. Yeah, thanks. And I've been uh, subbing all this week on the radio for the morning girl oh. who's uh, on vacation this week. So I, I do still, I, you, you, you know it, Bob, you can't get it out of your system. Thank God for podcasts and, and uh, uh, public affairs shows, right? You're still at it. Still at it. And also another thing you did uh, is you work for voice coaches, a voice acting school. I did. I was their marketing director for 11 years and uh, retired from there a couple years back and taught voice acting to f- folks all over the world, I'm happy to say, and was helping to, to build the company up and had a, had a great time there and, and opened some more doors. So when I'm not doing the, the part-time radio gig, I occasionally do some voice acting for folks. I'm going to do some this afternoon. I get to play a superhero this afternoon. Well, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, which will be fun. Well, we, we got about a minute and a half left. What about your children? Have any of them expressed any interest in media? Um, my oldest did. In fact, he came to the uh, WTRY with me back in the early 90s when he was like 11 or 12 years old. And um, and unfortunately, I, I didn't think that that's when I, when I fell in love with it. So as he's going off to Plattsburgh State University and uh, his talking about wanting to hang around the radio station, I said, please, promise me you won't do that. I said, I, I want you to make more money in your life than I ever thought of making. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I really think uh, even though you might have some fun with it, it's, it's not a full-time career. So, so he took it to heart, and he did not follow in my footsteps. My younger one you know, still groans every time I tell a joke on the radio or try to be funny. Mm, he thinks, right. yeah, I've never been funny as far as he's concerned. Well, it's, so, it's hard <laughs> that, for That's us. your typical children thing, you know. Well, Warren Garling, I thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Bob, and uh, look forward to seeing you at lunch soon. You betcha. Warren Garling, author of I'll Have to Ask My Mom, A Radio Journey. It's available on Amazon.com. You've been listening to The Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.